Cornstalk Heights in small town America, welcome to the high road. We're the new voice of the exhausted majority. Here now is your host, Donnie Hall. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having or had a great Veterans Day. Welcome to another edition of The High Road. I'm Donnie Hall. Coming up in the show, I want to talk about a particular veterans issue that is really important to me, and we'll take a look at the third Republican primary debate. First, some really big news. As you've probably heard, the Screen Actors Guild has agreed to terms with Hollywood producers and will be returning to work. One of the major sticking points in their strike was the use of AI, or artificial intelligence, in films and on TV, to which they received an acceptable concession from the studios. The crazy thing is, for me, AI came out of nowhere and is now virtually everywhere. Recently, Elon Musk had something disturbing to say about this new technology. Even as Musk was launching a new AI chatbot for the social site formerly known as Twitter, he commented to an interviewer that because AI is smarter than the smartest human being, there will come a time that no job is needed. I'll say it again. Because of AI, there will come a time that no job is needed. (laughs) That's scary, yo. Earlier this year, I was producing episodes of a little sports program. At the time, I couldn't even spell AI. I wrote the scripts, set up the studio with lights, camera, sound, teleprompter, etc. Then I would shoot the video, and then edit it. When all that was done, I spent even more time watching the little wheels go round as the finished video uploaded to various places on the net. In all, it would take 8 to 10 hours to produce 2 to 3 minutes of content. One day I saw an ad for an AI program that would do most of the work for me. All I had to do was write the script and upload it, pick my AI character host, and voila, it would be done. I tried it. And I finished an entire sports update in less than an hour. All I had to do then was upload it. About the same time I was doing this is when SAG went on strike, and their AI complaint caught my attention. My little AI project ostensibly could have put the host, a camera operator, lighting technician, sound person, teleprompter operator, and an editor out of work, not to mention the director and director of photography, and countless production assistants. As noted, I was doing all the jobs, so no one actually lost theirs but it could be easily done. Having been an actor and being married to a professional actor, I now fear AI and the impact it can have on creativity and the arts. Think about it. If AI could kill the film industry, a cornerstone of creativity, what could it do to other industries? What could it do? Like him or not, Musk is onto something. Because of AI, the time will come that no job is needed. You heard it here first, and we'll have more in 30 seconds. More of The High Road is coming your way right after this short break. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. That's what we were taught, service before self. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? 
If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov slash reach. That's va.gov slash reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The High Road. Is something crazy happened last week. I received an email inviting me and a guest to attend the third GOP debate in Miami. It offered round-trip airfare, a three-night stay at a Miami hotel, tickets to the debate, and a meet-and-greet with Ron and Casey DeSantis. All I had to do was enter their contest for a chance to win. Why I got the offer? I have no idea. It's certainly not for some of the things, like a viable third party, I have pontificated on this podcast. We didn't enter the contest for a lot of reasons. Mainly, though, I think the only debate I would want to see live is the one where Robin Williams, playing candidate Tom Dobbs, goes off the rails during a debate and speaks an enduring and hilarious truth about the state of American politics. If you haven't seen that movie, it's called Man of the Year. I highly recommend it. Man of the Year. Now, with that said, and since we're on the subject of the Miami debate, if you saw it, it got a little heated. The candidates were bombing each other, and and some of it got downright personal. After the show, if you will, the Washington Post did some fact-checking on what was said. In an article astutely titled, Fact-Checking the Third Republican Primary Debate, the Post notes former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley as saying, and I'm quoting here, We are almost $34 trillion in debt. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% of American families can't afford diapers. One in six American families can't pay their utility bills. He, meaning Trump, put us $8 trillion in debt, and our kids are never going to forgive us for that. End quote. Well, according to the article, Haley accurately cited statistics on the national debt, people living paycheck to paycheck, and being unable to afford diapers and utility bills. She faulted the former president, Donald Trump, for running up the national debt by $8 trillion. That, says the Post, is also accurate. According to the Treasury Department, the nation's total public debt climbed from about $20 trillion to $27.8 trillion under Trump, a gain of $7.8 trillion. But the paper also notes that over half the debt increase under Trump came in the last 10 months of his administration due to the pandemic. Later in the debate, Haley stated, Social Security will go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare will go bankrupt in eight. The Post concluded, like so many politicians, Haley uses the word bankrupt in a misleading way. The trustees for Social Security and Medicare predict there is an 80% probability that reserves for Social Security will be exhausted between 2032 and 2037. If nothing is done, the program still could pay 75% of scheduled benefits. Personally, I'm going with Ambassador Haley on this one. 
The article noted many other claims or statements by the candidates were sometimes distortions of facts or only part of the whole truth, and there were a couple of statements that were based on rumors rather than verifiable facts. For instance, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy claimed that, and I'm quoting here, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. That's why we're sending $200 billion back to that same country. End quote. According to the Post, this is a baseless statement. Sure, congressional Republicans released an FBI document from 2020 earlier this year that makes a shocking allegation about President Biden that he and his son Hunter were involved in a foreign bribery scheme with a Ukrainian business executive. The identity of this FBI source and any connection to Ukraine remains unknown, and the FBI has not publicly confirmed any tips that the person supplied in the document are true. Here's more. Ron DeSantis stated, while avoiding a question on whether he would raise the retirement age for Social Security, quoting again, when life expectancy is declining, I don't see how you could raise it on the other direction. So it's one thing to peg it on life expectancy. But we have had a significant decline in life expectancy in this country. End quote. In the Post article, the analyst, a man named Glenn Kessler, notes, DeSantis' referral to a recent dip in the U.S. life expectancy is because of the pandemic and drug overdoses. But that's a misleading frame, according to Kessler, because life expectancy has increased greatly since Social Security was established in 1935. Life expectancy at birth in 1930 was 62 for women and 58 for men. In 2021, American women had a life expectancy at birth of 79 years, while men were at about 73. The retirement age was raised slightly in a bill signed by Ronald Reagan in 1983, and even with the recent setback, life expectancy has continued to increase. That's according to the paper. I guess what I'm trying to point out here, folks, is that a presidential debate, and I don't care which party we're talking about, is really no debate at all. They get the questions beforehand, they craft their answers, often using pieces of facts, and, and then they try to convince a national audience that they're smarter and more presidential than the other guy. I wish I could remember this quote exactly, but years ago, I read a book by former TV anchorman Dan Rather called The Camera Never Blinks. In the book, Rather relays a truth lesson that was given to him by his predecessor, Walter Cronkite. Cronkite told Rather who would be taking over the CBS anchor desk, and I'm paraphrasing here. Whatever you say into the camera, the people will believe you. Not long after, news anchors, rather among them, began to editorialize in their broadcasts and often only tell one side of a story. Is it any wonder, then, that politicians, when standing in front of the camera on a national stage, do the same thing? People, without accountability... Anything can be said and will be accepted by the masses as gospel. That's why I like these types of fact-checking articles to clean out some of the BS and, and acknowledge truth on those rare occasions when it is told. <laughs> With that all just being said, I just had this thought. Who's fact-checking the fact-checkers? <laughs> We're up against a break. Be back with more in 90 seconds. This is The High Road. 
as you go about your daily life. Look closer. As you gather with family and friends, look closer. Right in your community, there are youth who don't have the home, warmth, and healing you have. So, look closer. Every year across America, a staggering 4.2 million youth are homeless or trafficked. Covenant House is the national leader providing safe housing for youth 50 years strong. Tonight, 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed. And tomorrow, they will wake up surrounded by love. Every youth who walks into Covenant House gets clean clothes, hot meals, medical care, and a safe place to sleep 24 hours a day, seven days a week in sites across America to help them fulfill the great promise of their lives. So look closer at Covenant House and help us fight youth homelessness. To help or get help, go to covenanthouse.org. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. We are back on the high road. Happy Veterans Day. I'm glad you're here. A new Gallup poll shows America's growing trust of mass media declined for the fifth consecutive year. And it's not just the Republicans. The poll shows Democrats' trust in the mass media has dropped 18% since 2018. Also from Gallup, there has been a 9% drop in President Biden's approval rating among Democrats. From January 2021 until October 2023, Biden's marks fell from nearly 100% to 75%, the lowest approval rating he's had yet from his own party. Meanwhile, independent and Republican approval has declined to 37% and 5% respectively. With President Biden's low approval ratings and the fact that if re-elected, he would go into office at 81 years of age, I've wondered... Will the Democrats field a serious challenger to a sitting president? Now, according to Wikipedia, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has announced his campaign for the Oval Office as an independent. Wiki notes he's an environmental lawyer and writer who is known for advocating anti-vaccine misinformation and public health conspiracy theories. But, alas, he is a Kennedy, and he's gaining support that no recent independent candidate has seen. According to the New York Times, there are actually 16 people who are currently running for president. Nine Republicans, four Democrats, and three independents or third-party candidates. Most are running in the wakes of Biden and Trump, who, as you know, faced off in 2020. For the Democrats, there is, of course, President Biden. Self-help author and Oprah spiritual advisor Marianne Williamson, as she's thrown her hat in the ring now for the second time. And I don't know how to say this person's name, but progressive talk show host Sink Ugar, C-E-N-K-U-I-G-U-R. Anyway, Ugar, or however you say it, is seeking the Democratic nomination, as is moderate Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, who has cited the president's declining approval ratings and age as his reason for getting into the fray. Now, for the Republicans... 
There is former president and frontrunner Donald Trump. Former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador Nikki Haley. Entrepreneur and author Vivek Ramaswamy. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. A political newcomer, businessman and pastor Ryan Binkley. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. And North Dakota Governor Doug Burkham. It's a crowded field to be sure. But if Trump's current legal woes cause him to crash and burn... Several candidates will be hanging around, waiting to pick up the party mantle. If that happens. Now for the independents and third parties, of course, RFK Jr., professor and progressive activist Cornell West, and though not yet official, doctor and activist Jill Stein will likely be receiving the Green Party nomination, which she has had twice before. I'm also sure that the Libertarian Party will come up with a candidate soon. Now, here's my biggest concern going into this election season. With so much of the voting base, neither extreme left or extreme right, what centrist candidate can rise up from any party or as an independent and truly become a voice for the middle, or as we like to call ourselves, the exhausted majority? In other news, several states held elections within the last week, the results of which only reinforced, to me at least, that we are still all over the place and divided as ever. In Kentucky, a state Donald Trump won twice, Democratic Governor Andy Beshear picked up a second term in Frankfurt. In Mississippi, Republican Tate Reeves won re-election. In Virginia, a state with a Republican governor and state Senate, with every seat of the General Assembly up for grabs, Democrats won full control of the state house. Finally, Ohioans voted to protect access to abortion services, and became the 24th state to legalize recreational marijuana. Yep, we're divided as ever. In my headline scans this week, I I came across this story that, that claims former President Trump said that he would consider picking Tucker Carlson as his running mate. According to the New Republican, according to the New Republic, yeah, take it for what it's worth, y'all. Trump was asked on the conservative podcast, The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show, if he would consider Carlson for VP. The article quotes Trump as saying, I like Tucker a lot. I guess I would. I think I would. He then added, he's got great common sense. On the financial front, consumer spending is up. Now, consumer spending is considered the foundation of economic growth in the nation, and its increase is partially what prompted the Fed to keep interest rates where they are for the second straight meeting. However, credit card debt in the country, which is directly connected to the spending spree, has surged to $1.08 trillion, which is a record high. Looking to the Middle East, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues to evolve as Israel has pushed deeper into northern Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu indicated that Israel will likely assume responsibility for security within the Gaza Strip after the conflict ends. Meanwhile, back in Miami at the debate, yeah, we're going back there again, every Republican candidate tried to convince viewers that he or she is the biggest supporter of the Jewish nation. Okay, in our earlier segment, we were talking, among other things, about fact-checking. 
I believe it was in episode one of The High Road that I credited Henry Kissinger with writing or saying in one of his books, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, my younger brother Daryl in Texas sent me a note this week informing me that what I attributed to Kissinger was actually coined by English historian Lord Acton in 1887. I guess Kissinger may have been quoting Acton, I don't know. Anyway, here's the full text of what Acton wrote and Kissinger apparently quoted. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But it doesn't end there. Acton continued, Great men are almost always bad men, even when they exercise influence and not authority. Good to know the whole truth. Thank you for fact-checking me, Daryl, which now allows me to be able to correct the error. Don't go away. In 30 seconds, we'll bring you some good news, and then we'll talk about Veterans Day and a veterans issue that is very close to my heart. Be right back. From the Smoky Mountains to the Pacific Ocean and all points in between, you're on the high road, the voice of the exhausted majority. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But right now in front of us is victory over cancer. Right now, cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to better treatments and saving lives. Victory over cancer is there for the taking by you. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Welcome back. After talking about so much bad stuff going on, this is a chance to look at some good news. One headline that I was happy to see is that the Screen Actors Guild ended their record-setting walkout and will be going back to work to entertain us. It looks like the housing market seems to be improving, and GM is investing $13 billion into their U.S. factories. A North Carolina police officer identified as Lieutenant Corey Brooks accomplished a truly heroic act recently. Although our men and women in blue are heroic on a daily basis, Lieutenant Brooks' actions deserve a special shout-out. Back on August 8th, a tractor-trailer hit the guardrails and caught fire on Interstate 85 near Salisbury, North Carolina. Brooks, a much-decorated 25-year police veteran, arrived on scene and assessed the situation. Knowing the truck could go at any time, a local news outlet reported that Brooks claimed, quote, I'm either going to die here with him or get him out of here, end quote. The department later released body cam footage of the rescue, which, from the article I read, claimed it is nothing short of something from a diehard film. The footage shows Brooks running down a line of burning fuel to the cab of the truck where the driver, Michael Williams, was unconscious in his seatbelt. Realizing he must remove the driver himself, the officer unlatched the victim and began to take him from the burning truck when suddenly another truck driver appeared wearing an Argentina national football team shirt and assisted Brooks in taking the other driver to safety. The officer called the man who remains unidentified an angel. We're happy to report the driver of the truck made a full recovery. You see, it's good news stories like these that remind us our men and women in blue are out there every day to protect us and serve us and, sometimes, 
be our heroes. We'll be back in 30 seconds with some final thoughts and a salute to our veterans. Powered by Spotify, you're listening to The High Road. There's more right after this. I'm William Shatner. I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom. And when they come home. I had just come home from serving over in Germany. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. I was paralyzed. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. And I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America, because they've kept their promise to never leave a fallen soldier behind. A roof over the heads, accessible homes, cars, jobs, benefits. PVA has brought me back to life. Show them their sacrifice hasn't been in vain. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. We're back with some final thoughts. As we take time to honor our veterans, I want to share something with you from the VA. World War I, known at the time as the Great War, officially ended when the Treaty of Versailles was signed on June 28, 1919, in the Palace of Versailles outside the town of Versailles, France. However, fighting ceased seven months earlier when an armistice or temporary cessation of hostilities between the Allied nations and Germany went into effect on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. For that reason, November 11, 1918 is generally regarded as the end of the war to end all wars. Veterans Day continues to be observed on November 11, regardless of what day of the week on which it falls. The restoration of the observance of Veterans Day to November 11 not only preserves the historical significance of the date, but helps us focus attention on the important purpose of Veterans Day, a celebration to honor America's veterans for their patriotism, love of country, and willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. Having served in both the Army and the Coast Guard, veterans' issues have long been important to me. According to StopSoldierSuicide.org, Veterans are at a 57% higher risk of suicide than their peers who haven't served. A VA report from 2016 indicated an average of 20 veterans die from suicide every day. Another study released in 2022 found the number as high as 44 veterans die on average from suicide when accounting for other factors that are aligned with suicidal or self-harming behavior. That is almost two and a half times greater than the official estimate. No matter if it's 20, 30, or 44 of our brothers and sisters daily giving up the fight, any number is far too many. Do me a favor, folks. Check out StopSoldierSuicide.org and see how you can help a veteran. That's StopSoldierSuicide.org. And I thank you. Now, before we go, our quote today comes from one of my favorite leaders, Ulysses S. Grant. 
Trained as a soldier, Grant participated in virtually every major engagement in the Mexican War and led some of the bloodiest battles of the American Civil War. Grant later wrote, Although a soldier by profession, I have never felt any sort of fondness for war, and I never advocated it, except as a means of peace. Ulysses S. Grant, a great leader. And that'll do it for this Veterans Day edition. Check back for our next episode soon. Until then, I'm Donnie Hall reminding you, keep our veterans and our leaders in your prayers. And that the high road is always the best road. 